Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. To the mouth of manliness. Um, it is an early one for me, as we were just talking about. Um, Nick Noise here as ever. Shout out to Wergy for the productions. And I've got a wonderful guest, Hattie, from Get Legally Speaking podcast. Welcome. Thanks for coming on, Hattie. Hello. Hello, Nick. Thank you very much for having me. Um, so, tell us about your podcast then. Tell us um, what it's all about. Okay, so in a nutshell, Get Legally Speaking is a legal chat, legal conversation, but put in really simple, basic terms. So people that don't know anything or much about the law, or maybe they're learning about the law, can understand the law in, without the jargon, without all the fluff around it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a probation officer, and um, I spent quite a lot of time in court. And um, like I, I, for years I've been probation officer, so uh, I kind of um, understand quite a bit about the law in regard to the things that I work with. Um, and quite often in court, I can kind of you know where I know how, how it works and what's going to generally get a good idea of what's going to happen. Um, but I still think, you know, when I think I've got it all sorted out and I understand, and then I get curveballed all the time. It, <laughs> uh, <coughs> it, you know, you always get caught out and caught. It's always, uh, yeah. And it's amazing how many people who, uh, you know, they've, they've committed an offence, they're in and out of court, but they still don't really know what's going on. It's, it always amazes me. Well, this is the thing and one of the things that we're trying to achieve with get legally speaking is we're actually targeting what we're talking about about around everyday things so for example at the moment you know we've got a pandemic going on with COVID-19 we talk about holidays and travel what happens if you've booked a holiday you've booked a flight you've had to move it you've not been able to go what's your legal rights what can you do legally about that yeah. or 
you know, disputes with your neighbours, noisy neighbours or boundary disputes, you know, actually relating it to titles that we experience. You've bought something from a shop, consumer rights. What can you do? You've got this item. They don't want to exchange it. They don't want to give your money back or divorce because divorce is a really big topic. Mm. Um, unfortunately, one in three marriages end in divorce. So we try to make our legal conversation in line with reality and what's going on in real day, in real life terms. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. That's really helpful. Because, yeah, people just don't know. And, no, and yeah, you spend so much money on, you know, on solicitors, etc. And, uh, yeah, they've got no idea what to do. Yeah, that's really good. So how long have you been going? So our podcast was officially launched in January this year. So we're now in July. So it's almost, almost seven months. Oh, are you enjoying it? I am actually. I, I do love it. I do love it because I talk with barristers and judges. So again, people don't usually hear barristers and judges breaking things down and putting them in a way which everyday people and everyday language can understand it, yeah. you know? I mean, they do help, obviously, their clients and, and, and in court because you've seen the court will help people try and understand. But um, I enjoy having a chat like this yeah. with people who we regard quite senior in our legal system. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think um, like I've been in Crown Court uh, a number of times and, um, that, yeah, they, they do try and kind of make things clearer and so that people can understand. Um, I think what I normally experience is that um, people are normally quite nervous in those situations and they don't like to ask. So they just yeah. in, they're just done too rather than uh, feel like they can ask. Because uh, Crown Court especially is um, it's quite a... Um, well, it's like theatre, isn't it? It's quite um, a nerve-wracking... It's got a dramatic like, environment, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's very formal. So people are kind of really frightened to ask anything in Crown Court. Uh, everyone's frightened. Even like for my side, people are frightened to stand up and say anything. Um, yeah, like I'm not. I don't... I just get on with it. But, um, yeah, it's quite a daunting thing, the law. Um, yeah, and... Lots and it's also boring... I don't like to use that term. If my 13-year-old heard me saying the word boring, he'd actually slate, slate me for it because I don't like to use that. But it's not sexy. It's not interesting. It's not something that you think, oh, that, that, yeah, that's my Friday night. I'm going to go and learn about what I can do to return that expensive television or return that faulty car because the garage is telling me that's how it's going to be. You don't get up and naturally think that way. So, you know, we, we're trying to make it in interesting because it's very pale and stale and male let's put it that way and it's been reported like as that as well the law so we try to just introduce it in a way which people want to hear it are interested in hearing it and actually get something from it rather than oh god i've got to listen to that because you know I, i've got children's issues in my separation if i listen to that then i'm i should know a bit more about what to do yeah yeah it's important it's important and um, it's really, really helpful. It is true. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it is a bit boring. But it, <laughs> it is. It's, not, it's like accounting. Who wants to do accounting and Excel yeah. spreadsheets of, you know, regarding their household expenses? But if we don't sit down and put pen to paper, even if it's on back of, back of a back packet, um, as someone I know 
says often, you you got to do it. You you should have some knowledge of it. It's I'm always uh, surprised how many kind of young people like they often say, yeah, I'd like to be a lawyer. So many people really? that I encounter, yeah, through work and things, they often want to be uh, be a lawyer. Uh, and I'm always saying it's a lot, a lot of study, a hell of a lot of study to get your like, law degree. And even then, it's like, um, I had a friend who, um, he got his law degree and he wanted to be a barrister. And even then, it's really hard to get in and get tutelage to be a barrister. Um, it's really, really difficult. And you kind of got to accept that you're not going to have a lot of money for a while. Uh, so it is it's really, really tough. I think, you know what, if, you, if you're enjoying what you're doing, and you might be, you probably can relate to this, it doesn't seem like hard work. Yeah. So if you, if you love reading about the law, if you like history, because the law obviously is based on a lot of history, you don't find it as hard as you may do if it's a vocation that you, th- you really want to do, but you're not really, you're not really want to do it. You think you want to do it because maybe it's peer pressure, family pressure. Maybe you've put it in your head that that's actually, I've got to be that and I've got to do that. Maybe it's a status thing. Yeah. But if you really want to do it, if you enjoy it, one something you enjoy, you don't find hard work. Like earlier, before we pressed record, I said, oh, I'm up at five. And you went, oh, my God. But I don't find that hard. I don't find it hard to get up at 5 a.m. Because, sadly, I enjoy it. I enjoy the peace and calm of the morning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, there's a book I read a while ago talking about, it's kind of a loosely kind of uh, based around mental health, and it, it was very much saying if you can find the one thing in life that you um, that you enjoy and it gives you something and then make that into your job, then you, you're set, you know, you've got it there. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's hard to find, but I really I think that's so true. It really, really works. So, what do you do? Yeah, uh, absolutely. What do you do for work then? What uh, you guess? You know, I saw you. you I own a law firm. That's all right, then. Yeah, I own a law firm. So I own a. I'm. I'm actually not a lawyer, but I had to become. I had to study, and I had to become regulated by the Solicitors Regulation Authority because they changed the laws um, in 2011 that non-lawyers could own and run law firms. So I wanted to own a law firm for various reasons. And um, I I was the first non-lawyer to become regulated and own a law firm. So I own a law firm. That's what I do. That's my day job as well. That's fantastic then. So what do you have to do to own a law firm then? So as a non-lawyer, it's called an... ABS, I'm not going to bore you with it, but it's called an alternative business structure law firm. So at that time, the Law Society and the SRA, Solicitors Regulation Authority, set out, that I think I've got about four legal arch files, and they said, if you can understand everything that's in there and learn it and come and get grilled in front of a panel that's recorded and taped and pass that, then we'll authorise you to own a law firm, as well as lots of other documentation that I had to prepare and submit. And I did. I did it. I don't know how, but I did it. <laughs> I worked hard, but I enjoyed the work. It didn't feel like such hard work because I, I enjoyed what I was doing. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, 
and how does that work with so i'm assuming that most of the people who work for you are um they're like legally qualified so yeah. how does that work with like your relationship with them do they do they listen to you what you say they hate me no one is joking <laughs> <laughs> no i employ or i instruct barristers Okay, only barristers. Because in my opinion, and actually it's a fact, they're the highest legal opinion that you can get. They're the highest expertise. They specialise. So when a client comes to me, it's my job to understand on a level what my client needs, what they actually want to achieve, what they need. Um, And then it's up to me to say, right, who is the best barrister that can work with me to get that result or manage that expectation or get them out of the trouble they're in. It's up to me to work very closely with the right barrister and make sure that my client and the barrister has a great connection. Because again, if you're in a courtroom, you may see yourself that most times barristers don't really exchange many words with their clients, particularly in criminal situations where it's just going for a mention hearing or something Whereas that relationship actually can have a big outcome, outcome on on the outcome. It can have a big effect on the outcome. Yeah. Really understanding the client because the law in in the legal system, not a lot of that goes on. I totally agree. Relationships are everything. Um, yeah, especially in those kind of circumstances. Like relationship is absolute key to most things, really. Yeah. So it's amazing. Communication. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, normally, um, normally in uh, like criminal cases, you have the barrister, then the solicitor, and the solicitor is the go-between. So does that not happen then in other in other situations? It does. It absolutely does. So we we're still a solicitor's firm, okay. So even though I'm not a solicitor, I work like a solicitor would. Right. So I do the brief, the work for the barrister, so the barrister can understand the case. I um, handhold my client, but you know, I, I like to go all the extra miles with my clients because you've got to manage your client's expectations. You've got to get the strategy right for what it is you're trying to achieve because that, that all has a huge effect on the outcome and how much money and time they're going to spend on this legal problem. Let's face it. Legal services are not a happy buy. No one goes, yes, I'm going to instruct a law firm. I have to get a barrister. Excellent. It's usually a very distressing time in life. It usually um, can be very expensive already if you've already been battling a problem out. Yeah. Um, And during that time, you're heavily relying on someone's experience to guide you and give you the best advice and the, the best options that, that are available to you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you, you're, so you're the, you're basically like, the, you're the solicitor. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I do exactly what a solicitor <coughs> would do. Oh, really? Wow. I, I think it's amazing, actually. What you're saying um, sounds brilliant. It's like, every, they, all firms should be doing that. <laughs> You know, that, that, it's, I mean, that's, it's obvious, some, but um, from my experience, you just don't really see that. You're right, that kind of relationship and that you're really putting in the effort with that person. 
um, so that they feel like they're being, you know, they're doing with rather than just being done to. Like it's, you said earlier. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, that's when you said that earlier, I resonated to that straight away because yeah. on the other side, with our uh, with our opponents, if you like, yeah. I see a lot of them just being a part of the process. But yeah. if if your client doesn't understand exactly what's going on and what that could lead to and what it means, how on earth are they supposed to make the right decisions of where they are now? And it's their matter, that their name's on that legal paper. And, and as you said earlier about the courtroom being a serious place, it's a serious thing. Yeah. And we also do fixed fee, so people know what it's going to cost before they instruct to go ahead. That's yeah. really important. Yeah, I think, yeah, that concern about the spiralling costs of everything. Um, and I think a lot of people, they don't, they just, like, they might not go ahead just because of that. You know? That is what happens. Yeah, so, yeah, you think um, everything's stacked against you, isn't it? You go in and you've got, you've got a, like, an issue. Like, financially, it's stacked against you. You're in, a, like, an environment that you don't understand. There's lots of people who seem like they're so, you know, they're above you. And um, I think, like, that just feeling the powerlessness that, that you have when you go into kind of a legal dispute. Uh, and, like, you're kind of bridging that gap there. I really like that, Harry. That's really cool. It's really nice to hear it. Really, it really is. It's really important. Fantastic. So, how do you? So, if you're, uh, so, are you? It sounds like does every case go through you then? Yes, everything. There's no wonder you're up at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> well, like, we're a boutique. We're a boutique law firm, so you know we we don't just take on everything. We don't like to do volume work. Pack, you know, as I say, it's stack them high, sell them cheap. You know, every client has to have that bespoke service because it's always unique. Your legal master, you might, God forbid, be going through a divorce. Somebody else's divorce will be totally different. So, yeah, every client does come through me. Every client um, will get a, a fixed fee option. And you're right, there's lots of people. Once you talk about, look, if you go through this legal dispute, these are the kind of figures you're talking about if you go all the way. And I have had, in the eight years that I've established and owned and run Red Bar Law, I have had a lot of people say, thank you for that, because actually I am more open to mediating now, or maybe I will accept the offer they've made. And I, you know what? As, as crazy as that would sound, Nick, sometimes that's music to my ears, because I think that I wish I had that when I had a legal dispute years before I even owned Red Bar Law. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, oh, okay. It's going to be that much. <laughs> I'll think more seriously about mediation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just when someone said, right, this is the score, you know, this is actually how it's going to work out yeah. and take all the, the data. And then you, there's so much, yeah, you feel more empowered and you also, um, yeah, you just know where you stand. It's so important. It really is. So you've been doing it. So you had a legal dispute. Is that what brought you into this field of work? Yeah, um, I, I mean, I went through a divorce many years ago. And at the time, it was the most emotional time of my life because I think the biggest part of that for me was, oh my God, my marriage didn't work out. Why? 
I ticked all the boxes to get married. You know, I chose my husband. It wasn't forced upon me or anything like that. You know, fell in love and you ticked all the boxes. Why isn't that equaling a happy marriage? Yeah. So emotionally and mentally, it was the one of the toughest times of my life. So I went, as you do, you ask your friends around, you do know a divorce solicitor yet, or somebody recommended one of the best. Um, and not only did I not know what it was going to cost me, and by the way, legal services seem to get away with not telling people what things are going to cost before they do the work, whereas no other industry gets away with it. Yeah. You don't go and have your car service without knowing what it's going to cost you. Don't have your boiler repaired without knowing what it's going to cost you. Don't go and buy, don't hand in your bike to get it served anything. Everything, you know what it's going to, even the restaurant has a menu with a price on it. Yes, yeah, true. So not only I came out, I came out ten, spending 10 times more than the, I, I, they told me it was going to cost, literally. Um, I didn't understand anything of what was going on. And it took three years without much of a dispute between me and my ex-husband to do. Three years as well. Three years. And at that time, and then no children involved, no children, neither of us had children. We didn't have children together. So imagine, now I know the things, some of the things that I know, hmm. you know, it, may, it brings shivers down my spine. But at that time, I thought, surely, surely this service, being such a crucial service to people that come at such a distressing time of their lives, because yeah. no, apart even conveyancing, you know, even when you buy a house, that's a nice legal service, but you're still stressed out because you're paying for the deposit, you're paying for your stamp duty, you're paying for your moving costs, and then you've got your solicitor's fees. Yeah. And even that can become quite stressful to pay. So I thought, surely this can be done better. Surely it should, surely should, people should, should say to people every stage, this is what it's going to cost, right? This fixed fee. Do you want these things to be done for you for this fee? And be on it. Be on it with your clients, you know. Forget piling them high for volume work. Give that bespoke handheld service because that people deserve that. So it's kind of, so you'd had a, a difficult experience with the law. So you then thought, right, I'm going to... I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it the right way. Yeah. So do you, like, before that, you've not studied or done anything else in law? You just went right no. that. I used to be in the stock market. That's where I used to work. In finance, in banking, in central London, in the city. Uh, another is that that's another male-dominated. It is, yeah, it is. So it was certainly was when I was there. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of yeah, and as you say, like law is very male-dominated as well. Although it's not, it's not as bad as it was. I don't. It's it's becoming more diverse. Certainly, I think, and I've had this conversation with the head of the bar council and the head of the bar standards board. The drop-off comes in law when ladies, women want to have family. Yeah. And because it's such a demanding career in terms of hours, in terms of inputs, particularly if you work for someone and they're just piling on your work, irrespective of your workload, it, you don't get to see your family. Mm. You won't. And, and that, that's the challenge for the, for the legal system to try and sort out in terms of women in law. Yeah. Yeah, just, you know... Yeah, people might actually want to see. Childcare. It's simple. Childcare. Yeah. 
that's what allows women to work that's what you know and and it's got it's got to be i mean it's got to be supported by the government because it costs so much i know you've got children and i don't know if you've ever had to pay for childcare, but it's it costs more than a salary good childcare, you know for, for to work full time that's crazy yeah we haven't ever, ever had to pay for it luckily enough like my wife kind of works part-time and i do kind of flexible hours and and our mums um my mum yeah they have them sometimes and it, we kind of balance it out. But, um, yeah, I'm glad we haven't had to pay for childcare. It's really expensive. It so is. Is that how you manage to balance everything then? Yeah. Yeah, I've got a living childcare. So my childcare lives with me because I literally, and I work from home as much as I can, even before March the 23rd, even before the lockdown, because I don't, I want to cook my dinners. I want to sit down and have dinner with my children. And I don't want to have to do an hour, hour and a half commute before I can even get to do that. I want to drop my, they start early at school. So I want to drop them to school. That school run for me in the car is really key. Yeah. Yeah. And things like that. So it's anyway. I've really noticed um, like with lockdown, I'm basically working from home most of the time and I have to go out and do visits and things. Um, but I, I noticed like my quality of life without that commute. So it sometimes takes me an hour or an hour and a half to get to and from work. And my quality of life has just gone right up. I'm just generally more sat, like generally happier without having to do that commute. Yeah. It's a killer, it really is. So, hold on, I just, it's really nice. So where, so you might you I mean you seem like a really driven person, you know, like you know, you, you seem like someone who's really got you got it together and you're driven and you're gonna make things happen. Um so have you always been that way? Um yes I have actually. I have. Um I think I was born that way, Nick, part of me. So does that come from your parents then? I feel like I'm having this conversation a lot in this period of my life in my 40s because they worked in hard laborious jobs so they came to the UK in there in the 90s well they met here they were told that that's your wife that's your husband great marriage three months bang they were married thankfully they fell in love they've been married 53 years and they're delightfully happy that was the bonus so um yeah, they worked in hard laborious jobs and you might, you know, for 30 years, my mum and dad worked seven days a week. My mum was in factories as a machinist. My dad was on the buses. Right. So whenever I ask him for directions, he always gives me the bus route. <laughs> <laughs> so, but do you know what? They had, they never complained. They never, not one day did I hear my mum and dad saying, I'm tired or I haven't had a holiday or, um, you know, it's just too much noise, it's just too much going on. You know the complaints that we have as today yeah. in our generation? Yeah, and we yeah, holiday I, I mo- most things. Yeah, we holiday most years, you know. we. I think this is like Disneyland compared to what, and I know I might sound old saying it, but, but what some of the older generation went through. And that was my basis for, do you know what? Just get your head down and get it done. Yeah. Don't complain about it because we are we are fortunate here in this country, honestly, compared to 
some other countries perhaps or even some other situations in our country yeah yeah oh, okay so i can see where that kind of effort came from then it's like no just get on with it get it done just get on with it and enjoy it you know because there's, you're doing it for a reason doing it for a purpose aren't you and it's how it how your actions make you feel ultimately yeah yeah if something's making you feel good you should have more of that you should be doing more of that like you said earlier you know if you're doing something you enjoy find what you enjoy and make it your job that for me is probably the most key advice if someone comes for employment advice find your hobby find what you enjoy doing and go and get a job in that in that field yeah it's funny i spend a lot of time saying to people like through work you know what are you into what do you like and they're like oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, you know because most of the time people are saying like well what 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 are you going to do for work rather than having that conversation as in what do you like doing and how do we make that into a job because as you say yeah that you know that, that's the way forward because then you're going to enjoy it and you're not going to resent it that's the worst thing <clears throat> when people resent their jobs <coughs> most people do nick that's yeah. the sad thing most people actually do i think the statistics i read some statistics a few years ago that 90% of people are doing a job because they can't get out of that career because of what it pays. Yeah. They can't switch into what they want to do because you'd have to start again and then it might not pay well from the beginning. But um, that's a big number, 90%, that turn up to work in normal times every day and, and, and they're not enjoying it. And what I've picked up on during the lockdown is now we're into sort of July, but through June I started to hear people doing other things that they wanted to do and actually enjoying it and people just look happier yeah yeah i think there's there'll, there'll be a big turnaround like that you know people will start thinking i've done this this isn't for me this life and the way i've been doing it isn't really what i want and yeah and you know especially if people have been furloughed and they may be getting less money than they, they were used to they might think, oh, I could survive on that. Or well, maybe I could survive on this and I can actually go and do something I want to do. Uh, well. And I kind of hope they do, really, because I think the world would be a nicer place. You'd be generally much happier. Yeah. So what have been your, your experiences then, you know, with work and mental health? Because um, I don't... Uh, I know that from a criminal side of things is that... Um, I don't think mental health is always particularly well addressed, especially, you know, uh, with, from the police, for example. Um, they don't always deal with mental health particularly well, you know, and even, you know, my experience with the court systems, is, it's kind of just not fully understood and particularly taken account of. Um, so I was just interested in what your experiences have been with mental health and the work and the system. You know, Nick, one of the most recent um, conversations I had, again, on one of my podcasts about mental health and the legal sector was about special measures in court. And I don't know if you've seen this yet in your, in your vocation, but where people need assistance, extra assistance, because they have got mental health issues. Maybe they're the defendant, maybe they're the victim. Actually, defendants still can't have special measures, which I will never understand. So if you're a defendant, you can't have that special measure. If you're a victim, you can. I think that 
our legal system is, I mean, it's one of the oldest in, in the world, right? And it's very, it's, it's admired by a lot of countries, etc. But I think there is a lot of work to be done with bringing mental health to the forefront of the point where people actually can access it. It's there being offered because, and being trained, people are being trained to pick up that there is an issue here this person, this client it could be, or this victim, or this defendant, or this applicant or respondent actually does need some help. Some help. Yeah. Being able to recognise that. When the incident with George Floyd happened, the first thing I was said to myself, literally, and when I was talking about it at home with my family, is the, that, that police officer that committed that crime, his mental health clearly, clearly, isn't there. That doesn't make it an excuse for what he's done at all. Obviously it doesn't. Um, yeah, yeah. You uh, funny you say that. When you look at um, just his behaviour, that kind of, he, he, he wasn't there almost. You know, like, when he was, he was looking and it just wasn't. Horrific, horrific, He wasn't really there. It was just, it's, it's kind of, uh, Oh, what's the word? There was dissonance there, wasn't there? It's, it, yeah, I know. I, I agree with you. And, and what, what's worrying about people in, you know, in the law that have power, like police officers, and America's a much bigger place than the UK, but what mental health care is being offered to people in power like that, that have the power to touch somebody else, whether it's to restrain them, which is what he thought... Well, I don't know what he thought he was doing, but whatever it was. But what mental health assistance is there for people with that kind of power? I think we've got a lot of work to do as a, as, as a country and as countries. It's, there's not enough. There's not enough help. That's so true. You know what? I've never really thought about it in those terms. It's weird because for my own mental health issues is that um, you... Like, there's been times when my behaviour is completely weird and, like, I can't even really make sense of it. And if someone's explaining something to me, like, I, I might not even be hearing them. You know, if I'm, if I'm not well at that point, um, you know, my actions might be completely different to what I would normally do. Um, and I'm just not in the same... I'm in my head and I'm not in the world in some weird way. And um, um, and yeah, I behave differently. I definitely do, and I miss things, and I don't, and that that can have an impact. And I never really thought about it in terms of, um, yeah, those people in power, especially uh, like with the police. You must. They, I had um, uh, Leon McLeod on a while ago, and he was at the London, um, the London Bridge attack. He's a police officer, and <laughs> he clearly experienced massive trauma. But I think in in those kind of services, you're going to experience trauma almost on a daily basis, uh, and those kind of things are going to really impact on you. And I do think they offer, you know, support, and but it's almost like something has to go really happen. wrong. Something has to happen before it, they yeah. do. But what about prevention is better than cure and all of that? Yeah, so if they were to have regular counselling as part of the job. Shouldn't that be the case? Yeah. And some, I've got a friend who works um, 
at a dock um, in the docks, and they have uh, like he's a manager there, and they have like uh, like rather than like normal supervision, they have a like a, a life coach, and. And I initially was kind of like laughing about it because he's like the least kind of person who would really get into that. But you think that's a really good idea. It's a stressful job. Um, and you've got someone to coach you through that stress and to turn and talk about it. And why, yeah, they do that there. Yeah, that should be happening in the police, the ambulance services, everywhere. Everywhere. It should, it should be part of an employer's duty to their employee. I, I don't actually think it's restricted to... No, no, no. It should be restricted to industries where people have power over other human beings in yeah. that way, right? Because in the finance industry, yeah. in, the, in the legal industry, as in, you know, the office side of it all, it doesn't matter where you work. In the, you know, you sh I think it's really important to be able to access mental well-being. That's how I see it, yeah. right? I've, I've been reading books on mental well-being for... 25 26 years because i love reading and learning and it's and and i for me it's a massive topic it should be part of we think of oh i shouldn't eat that that's not really good for me or too much of that or i should do a little bit of walking or running get some exercise that's great but what are we thinking about when we wake up in the morning when it comes to mental well-being yeah what do we what do you think well what can i do today that's gonna be you know be like good exercise help my brain that's that's part of my 5am because it's silent yeah quiet the emails are not going the phones are not ringing the kids are not running around nothing's happening even outside it's dead silent yeah yeah so it's a real zen moment like it's like everything's calm it's nice. calm before the storm Me yeah too. and it's um and it's and it's for you you know, yeah. you, you can kind of say, well, no, this bit is for me. And I think, like, as, as the world is nowadays, it's so, so busy that no one actually just does that little bit. Just, you know, invest in themselves. Invest in your own, like, in, you know, in your own psyche. Uh, it's so true, and they don't do it, do they? You think, yeah, um, I know, like, um, I had a friend uh, who's from Boston, and... She said, like, everyone in her family has a... Like, they have a family therapist. And, like, yeah, I have a therapist. Yeah. We have a family therapist. We do, because Americans see it like brushing your teeth. Yeah. It's a routine. Whether you attend once a month, whether you attend once a week, whether you attend once every two months, it's up to you. But go and have your mental well-being moment just for you. Yeah. It's so important. It's so key. And, you know... In this country, unfortunately, in the UK, there's a big taboo, isn't there? Still, there is. No matter what anyone says, yeah. there's a taboo. If you say, oh, I'll go to a, a therapist or whatever, someone somewhere is going to think, oh, you've got a few screws loose then. Mm. You know, you're not quite there. And there is that negative sort of attitude towards it. And, and I feel that that's changing. I do feel that there's, you know, with Prince Harry having spoken about his... Yeah. personal mental position you know and, and their well-being that i think highlighted a lot particularly to the younger generations as well and and to the older because look i think lots of people like prince harry yeah they do. Um, yeah it's so true though and um 
Yeah, I don't know. I think there's that kind of British kind of, you know. Yeah, we grin and bear it. We've we got we got stiff up a stiff up a lip. Yeah, we got through the blitz. You you know, get yourself together, kind of thing. Whereas it should be just a normal thing. Yeah, you're completely right. So what? So what have been your experiences then with the legal system and mental health? Um, I have to say, I haven't had any issues, so to speak, in the sense of. I haven't directly seen situations where the legal system isn't supportive of it. I haven't had clients who have had mental health issues that we have had to put some kind of structural process in place for. I, I haven't had that. I haven't been a part of that. But one thing that we are doing is what I am trying to do is bring awareness into, and we've just started it, into um, the legal system about mental health and how the courts, how the what the legal system has got in, in place now to assist mm. when assistance is required. Um, and it's all very new, but I have to say, in our research in who and where should we look at doing podcasts with in terms of mental health and the legal system, yeah. um, all I come up, all I keep seeing is charities. And it's like, does it only take charities? Which is fine. I'm happy to, you know, talk to charities and we're trying to talk to uh, a, a particular charity at the moment but is it only charities that, that are going to step up that extra mile yeah yeah it's, I hope not I hope not <laughs> I, I think you'll find it probably is it's quite interesting really I, I think when, um, when I've been in court and um, if someone's really if it's really obvious that they've got a mental health problem uh, and it's really really you know it's in front of you and it, um, the court's can be quite sympathetic and can be quite nice and they can kind of slow things down and be be good to someone. Um, just to kind of say, if anyone's listening, you know, like I have experienced court be very sympathetic and very caring and very nice and you think, oh, that's, that's a whole room of people. You know, they, they will take these things into account. They're not, it's not always... That, yeah, you know, I, oh God, I don't right. think... I can't imagine that anybody with mental health problems, you know, that's fallen into the legal system, whether it's in a criminal sense, as, as what you say, that will be treated harshly. I can't imagine that at all. I think there's enough awareness there where the consideration is there. Yeah. Perhaps isn't there is the process to assist one step further at the moment. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, there's, there is the human compassion elements there. Um, but yeah, the Definitely. actual kind of the legislation hasn't really caught up. No, not yet. And I think that you know that that will come definitely for for us in the UK because the compassion is there, the understanding is there. I mean, the charities are there. Lots of really good charities who are you know bringing this to the forefront in terms of conversation and and podcasts like this. Mm. You know, just a general chat between two. I'd like to think normal people who are from completely different sort of areas of work and life, even though your work is linked yeah. in a way can have a really relaxed, normal conversation about it and say, you know, this isn't a problem area. Let's talk about what can be done better. What's being done. And that's what the legal system will catch up. They have a way of sort of all of a sudden you hear, Oh, that's been that major law now. And you think, Oh, and, but that's been in the pipeline because it takes a long time for things to, to actually be, you know, put in stone, so to speak. Yeah, the recent changes, like just the other week about um, domestic abuse, 
you know yes so so long uh, and you know for most of us it's like well that's obvious but it's like uh, actually we're working in a system that's been there for so long that you've yeah. got to accept that it takes a long time you know a lot of it is quite archaic but sometimes it's kind of it seems archaic but it, it's, you can apply it to you know now and it's actually kind of not really that that archaic and silly a lot of it kind of makes sense um so i mean we're coming up to the end of our hour so i was wondering about um any kind of kind of tips and advice like what if if, what are your top tips for people if they're you know for our listeners in in terms of the law or in terms of generally generally in terms of the law maybe um I should have, uh, when you were asking me, uh, uh, like, do you need to prepare? Maybe this, maybe I should have said <laughs> Okay. Top tips. Um, okay, so I think speaking generally and picking up on what we were speaking about, I think, um, you know, mental well-being, your mental health, however you can access it, whether it's by reading a book, whether it's by talking to people around you or finding professional help, um, I, I think it's a, a number one thing that has to be really really put in the forefront of your mind no matter what other people may say around you that might try to put you off of that it's really key um don't ignore it even if you think well i'm okay there's nothing wrong with me but you know what a nice chat could, could help just just let off some steam um i think that's really key i think um that being happy in life and um just picking up on what you said nick really finding your your something that you love doing and, and trying to make that your career is is such a good thing the world would be a greater place because lots more people i think will be loving what they do and now is the perfect time for that because there's going to be such a massive shift in what pe- jobs people are doing how they're doing them i'm reading every day reports of more people are saying well i don't want to go back in the office five days a week i'm happy to go back maybe two days or three days a week and And I've been saying it for years, the work-life balance, to be happier, surely offices don't need you to turn up like hamsters every day after doing an average of a two-hour commute there and back um, to make their businesses work. And what's happened is we've proven the world can still operate, okay, if you're in retail selling clothes in a store, then you have to be there or serving coffees, you know, that's a different thing. So find what you love, because life, honest to God, is just too short. It's so short. I was saying to a friend of mine the other day, you know, people start dying in their 50s and 60s, you know? And, well, obviously people die of all ages, but it's kind of that's when the main drop-off starts to happen and how far away are we from that? Well, I'm in my 40s. Yeah. I need to take some more of my own advice, actually, on that, I think. <laughs> Sometimes it's, um, even, even if you might not be, like, really, really loving your job, but if you can then balance out somewhere else in your life, like I, yeah, that balance. So, yeah, you know, my job's like I might I might not love it, but it's okay. But then I'm doing this other thing, i.e., podcast that kind of balances it all out. It yeah. Was, so if you can find that balance, um, then you know I think there's there's the key to happiness in there. As long as you're doing something that you feel passionate about, I think. it's finding that it's finding what that is though isn't it Nick because we get lost in the rat race of living 
right? And, and, and I tell you, one of the things that when I stopped working in the financial industry in the city and I used to drive in to go to meetings for, for, for the next career that I had, I, people's expressions are blank. Yeah. They're just walking on the paper. Every, they're just blank. And you think, oh, my God, this is like a film. You know, you've seen films where people turn into numb ro robotic <laughs> things. And that's what I'm seeing. And, and that shouldn't be, I'm not saying people should walk around, you know, laughing their heads off, but it's just the blankness of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, in life, if you're just going through the motions. Yeah, I think it's important to kind of take an inventory of what of your life and your, what you're doing it at the time every so often and think, am, you know, am I, do I like this? Is it giving me something? You know, have I got everything I need in my life? You know, those things that make me feel good about myself. You know, people kind of forget that as a human being, we need to feel good about ourselves. You know, we need things that make us feel confident. And we That's need to key. Things. That's so key. It's like, key. I read something on Instagram last night and it really tickled me. And I can't remember exactly how it was put, but it was something like, when this is all over, I'm still going to keep my distance from people that don't make me happy. Yeah. A two metre distance from people that don't make me happy. And I, that just tickled me because I thought, that's brilliant. Yeah, because some people just make you feel bad about yourself. So, but yet you, uh, because we're so kind of stuck in routines and we do what we think we should be doing, you're not actually kind of addressing the issue that maybe that person makes you feel really awful about yourself. So why would you, surely you step away from that? Or, you know, at least kind of acknowledge it in your own mind and do something about it. But we don't do it. We just, people just carry on. I know. We've got to be more like younger children. You know, like a younger child yeah. says, I don't like that. I don't want that. And, they, and if they don't like somebody, everyone knows about it. We have to sort of sometimes, I think, tap into that and just be honest about it. it is, it's not the easiest thing, particularly if that person is just in your life and they're there. And it's difficult to get away from them. But certainly if you're conscious about it, you might start making steps towards, you know, a, a bit of a happier existence because that's what it should be about. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, I was talking to a guy recently and he's, uh, he's been, um, he kind of went through mindfulness right the way through to Buddhism. And he was saying that he doesn't try and think about things in terms of uh, like happy or sad. He's not looking to be happy all the time. Because if you're looking to be happy all the time, you'll notice that you're not. He says he's just trying. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I found it really interesting because, you know, like if you're not getting, if you don't feel happy, you don't feel that rush, you know, happiness is is a feeling as well and if you're not feeling that good feeling all the time you're going to kind of be down on yourself for not achieving it so he that's said very, that's a very interesting perspective actually and I, I thought it was amazing and, and i thought that's very true and he said it, he just looks to be you know at peace you know at comfortable at, you know at that kind of equilibrium that kind of rest he hasn't written a book has he because i'd get it if he has no, he hasn't. He's only young. He's only young. Joel Blake, his name is. Uh, he's on like um, uh, like the socials and and on YouTube, and yeah, just that. And I thought, God, that's so true. It's so isn't true. it? Because if you're sitting there thinking, "Am I happy right now?" Yeah. You're, no. you're, you're, and also, you're you're chasing it yeah, rather yeah. than living in your moment. I guess, right? That's but, yeah. That's the point. Yeah. 
You're always struggling with happiness when, when, when in reality we're not going to be happy all the time. Sometimes we're just going to be nothing. And it's like, can you feel comfortable in that kind of blur, nothing state and think, actually, this is all right? You know? That's, um, that's a I like that a lot. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it blew my mind with that. It's like, fuck, oh, that's so true. So true. Because, yeah, you're not going to feel happy all the time. And if you're always chasing it, then you're not going to get it all the and time. And that's half the problem, isn't it? We don't live in our moments enough. Yeah. We're not present in what we're doing right now. It's always about the next thing. It's always about the time of day and what's happening tomorrow and this evening. And we just go through, I think, a lot of motions. You know, if you've got children, it's all about their social life and making sure that they're getting the things they need. And then, you know, you just go, I think there is a lot of, going through the motions and I think if you just if we just stop certainly I'm I try to do it as much as I can and this has made me even more aware of it now stop and think about now and I'm going to think about the comfortable word I like that yeah I want to tell my therapist that next time I see her yeah yeah it's so true and um and yeah like that's what I try to do all the time is try and try and be more present and I find it really hard. And I've been working on that this for like a year, trying to be more present. Uh, so, yeah, because otherwise you're thinking, oh, I'll be happy if, I'll be happy yeah. all the time. When I do that, when I get that, when this happens. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, why can't you just be happy now? Like, just being now. Yeah, yeah. It's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, you blew my mind, Joel, good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank oh, you, Thank Nick. you so much, Hattie. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.